Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton, and today we're going to talk about how to end your own suffering. Now, I know this might sound like a sort of esoteric topic or something that maybe seems like an impossibility, uh, but this is something that people have been talking about for years. And in, in fact, this is actually something that that I have been on a journey to understand more deeply for a long time. Every, I, you know, as ever since I was a child, I can actually remember myself as a little kid, be going through distressful situations, going through situations with my parents, with my family, uh, in my environment, uh, painful situations, where I often found myself questioning why. Not only why is this happening, but how can I? make sure that this never happens again. And there was something within me, this sort of like naive innocence that set out on a journey to understand what causes us suffering, what causes us pain, and how do we learn from that pain and suffering, and, and how do we not necessarily avoid it. In, in fact, I think that my journey in understanding suffering has evolved because I think like like many people, I started off on the journey to understand suffering by trying to avoid it. And what I realized through that journey is that when we try and avoid suffering, it actually epitomizes our suffering. It actually is the ex the ex the accentuation, the sort of brightening and turning the the volume dial up on our suffering. The more that we avoid it, the more that we try and get away from it, the the stronger that our suffering seems to come on. And so today, I want to talk about a practical means of ending your suffering uh, where wherever you are. And, and give you some, some very sort of um, practical tools. So first and foremost, we need to understand what suffering actually is, right? Because it's a very analogous sort of esoteric concept, right? Most people would think suffering equates to pain. Um, but what kind of pain? Because there's many different kinds, right? There's, there's physical pain, mental pain, um, emotional pain, spiritual pain. There's, there's sexual pain, there's social pain, there's, there's a lot of different types of pain and suffering in the world. And so I'm, I'm going to define it here, um, but basically by the, the definition of the Buddha. And the Buddha in, in the Four Noble Truths, the very first truth is, is the truth of suffering. And so what is the noble truth of suffering? Well, it's the suffering of birth, the suffering of old age, the suffering of sickness, of death, of separation from loved ones. It's the suffering of facing unwanted phenomena and the suffering of not getting what you're actually seeking. So in brief, every aspect um, of, of the five aggregates, if you look at the five different components that's, that's in there, every aspect of it is, is suffering. Right, and we go through these these different stages depending on where we are in life, depending on what's happened to us in life, and we look at those those pieces of suffering, and and we realize two things: one, most of them can can categorically be broken into into two pieces, right? Uh, things that have things that we have done, so things that we've done to cause suffering, and and secondly, things that are out of our control that are causing us suffering. Now. The caveat to that is that oftentimes we put other people's actions into the bucket, into the category of things that have been done to us that have caused suffering that we play no role in. 
Now, the allusion to that, the, 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 the piece that is often escapes us in our suffering is that if there is a relationship between you and that person, you know that person, they know you, there, there's a duality there. It's, it's a didactic relationship, right? So both people have a part in that relationship. And oftentimes, we want to let go of our part in that relationship. And I think that this happens oftentimes, you know, with parents and children, right? Parents, um, maybe who, who have adopted very strict religious beliefs, parents who um, have very staunch uh, views of the world might look at their children and and say, you know, they just didn't turn out right. They just didn't do the work to conform to how I've wanted them to become. And that can be a very challenging thing for the child because, as as we all know, what that does is put the child in the situation of being the one at fault, quote unquote, for the dysfunction of the relationship, for the not working of the relationship. And we do this all the time as well in intimate relationships, right? We say, this person made me feel this way. She did this and it made me angry. Or he did that and it made me sad. And, 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 we, and we sort of put the onus on the other person, not really realizing, in fact, that we are the ones responsible for our own well-being, for our own emotions, for our own um, creation of suffering, because oftentimes we have the expectation. Now, this doesn't negate the other person's part. It simply is to remind us that in every single situation, in every single situation, there's a duality of responsibility. And oftentimes what we want to do is offload that responsibility onto the other person. Now, the other thing that I've noticed is that people tend to try and avoid suffering. They tend to try and avoid suffering by, by seeking out uh, universal truths, right? By, by, by going so deep into a religion or, or so deep into a, a doctrine or a dogma or a structure, you know, a, a personal development structure um, that somebody has assigned to them, that that, that becomes their universal truth. They, they've also, uh, another way of avoiding it is that, that people look for the answer, right? They look for the answer, hoping that if they've found one answer and just one answer only, that that one answer will sort of irreducibly or, or irrevocably provide them with some solution, right? Some solution to the suffering that, they're have, that they have, and that will allow them to, to sort of circumvent everything that's going on in their life. And, and circumvent any future suffering, right? Because the whole part of what our brain is designed to do, right? We've got this huge part of our brain uh, called the default mode network. And, and when it goes on autopilot, a big part of its responsibility is to try and keep us safe. And we have our nervous system that's designed to react to stimulus that that is unsafe to try and keep us alive, right? It's a very old part. And we've got certain parts of the brain that are actually designed to filter out our environment and our ecosystem and, and basically decide whether or not it's safe or whether it's unsafe in a very, very dualistic way, right? Like there's not a lot of gray zone when it comes to um, certain parts of, of, our, of our cognitive processing, right? You look at the amygdala that's responsible for fear, that's responsible for um, some of our primal, our more like primal uh, components of our life. It's, it's a very dualistic version, right? Either you're safe 
and, and you're okay, or there is a blip on the radar of fear and scarcity and not being okay that starts to send signals through your body uh, to, to basically signify that, that you're not okay. And so people look for these means of understanding, how do I avoid suffering forever? How do I go to the ends of the earth to, to sort of make sure that I never do this? Well, the, the catch is, is that knowing these things, these universal truths, you know, what God is, um, you know, what, what your own um, religious uh, doctrine taught you or, or what your own structure taught you or what your parents taught you or, or um, you know, your personal rules for life or the people's rules for lives that, that you've adopted. It doesn't mean that you're able to communicate those things to people. It doesn't mean that you're able to communicate what you believe is true to people in a way that they'll understand and in a way in which they will be able to easily adopt it and know your truth. So this actually can create suffering as well, right? Because you might have found some resemblance of your own sense of peace, right? You may have found some resemblance of your sense of the, the quote-unquote answer, right? The quote-unquote secret, right? And, and that version works for you very well. That version is sort of your personal salvation, and it allows you to function in life in such a way that you have a, an elevated level of happiness. You have an elevated level of success. You have an elevated level of, of peace. But there seems to be this, this challenge when it comes to communicating that to other people. Well, why is this? Why does this happen? And the reality is, is that other people have different versions and different narratives and different definitions of, of what truth is. They also have a different version of what suffering is. They also have a different version of what love is. And, and, love, and love and truth can actually be interchangeable pieces, right? We can oftentimes, if you, if you really look at love in its purest form. In many ways, love is an irrevocable truth. There, there's nothing that is, that is impure about love. What is impure is people's um, connotations, people's perspectives of love being something that should hurt, being something that uh, is, is going to create dysfunction, right? Based on their past, based on this, based on the challenges and the wounding and the suffering and the insecurities and the bullying and the, you know, put downs and the emotional abuse and the physical abuse that they've experienced in their life, their perception of what, what love has been to them in their life sort of taints this this truth of what love actually is, because love is is an essence, is an energy, and the purest form of it is untainted by suffering, right? Like if you look at the yin and the yang, which is a really great Buddhist symbol, on one side you have the, the black and the other side you have the white. But in, in the black, in the black side of the yin and the yang, you have uh, a white dot sort of right in the center of it. And on the, and on the white side, you have a black dot, right? So it's this reminder that, that there is this duality in, in life. And, and even when you have shifted into whatever categorization, whatever you have categorized as love, whether it's the white or the black, um, when you move into that space, there's still a reminder that suffering still exists there. It's, it's the reminder that, that there is sort of an inescapable uh, component to suffering, that you don't ever end suffering entirely. And so to know this is, is to know a form of a truth, right? And that's why the first of the four noble truths is that, uh, the, the first noble truth is that suffering 
is is real and that we all suffer and and to know that is a connective piece right and we can either use that knowledge we can either use that information to connect to other people or it can be the shield that pretends that that prevents us from actually connecting with the people around us so so the the real answer in many many ways is is that that we have to come back to a space of of understanding that we are it that we are both a part of the duality of existence where we are doing it and it's doing us that we are happening to life and that we can do things to shape and shift our life but life is also happening to us and so we are an irrevocable irrefutable part of life there's there's actually no way to get around that truth none whatsoever even if you believe in alternative universes even if you believe in past lives even if you believe that maybe like elon musk says once in a while that we're in a simulated universe um, regardless of what your belief is the truth is that you happen to life and life happens to you. And so in that way, you're doing it. You're the one that's, that's doing it. So by that, by that standard, you're both the problem and the answer. But that's the catch, is actually remembering that you're both in any given situation. Remembering that you're both in any given situation. And that's a key to understanding suffering. Because most of the time, the majority of the time, when people are in suffering, they are in a form of the lie. They are in a form of something that is not true, something that is disconnected, something that is, is pulling them away from a truth, something that is pulling them away from love, something that is pulling them away from connection, something that is pulling them away from the, the sort of mysticism or mysterious nature of existence. And, and that's just it, right? You're part of everything. You're a part of everything that you see, everything that, that exists. Science has, has proved this. Um, you know, religions say this as well. You know, most of the major religions actually state this, that you're, you know, they, they put it in a different way. They say that you are a part of the God creation, that God has created you and that God created everything. Uh, and, and so most of the major religions actually say you're a part of everything and that everything's a part of you, but you're not the whole thing right? <laughs> to sort of run around saying, I'm God, uh, I'm, I'm the whole thing, would, would certainly have people look at you a, a funny way, you know, especially if you were walking on the street saying that or holding a sign or wearing a t-shirt that said, I'm God, you, <clears throat> you would probably get some good reactions. So if you do that, let me know how that goes, because I'd be, <laughs> I would love to see that. Um, but, but you're an intrinsic part of the universe, of God, of life, of whatever you believe in, whatever label you want to put on it. You are a part of it because you cannot exist without the background, right? You cannot exist without the background. And, and so what I mean by that is imagine that you are standing in front of a room of people and all those people, there's, let's say there's 100 people, those 100 people are looking at you. They're staring at you and you're giving a presentation about something. You're, you're talking about your, your favorite thing, your favorite hobby. Those people cannot relate to you if there is no background to see you, okay, with, without an environment for them to see you. So without that, you would literally be floating in a void. You'd be floating in, in space. There'd be 
fundamentally nothing, nothing behind you, nothing around you, nothing underneath you. You'd be in a sort of a vacuum. And as we know, you, you can't actually um, survive in that without some sort of technological help. But, but there would be nothing around you, right? And so people only know you in reference to the reality that there is a substance behind you. And even if you were floating in space, even if you were floating in space, there would still be a background of relation, uh, uh, an understanding that there is something behind you, that there is matter behind you. There are planets, there are stars from which you have come. So you have to exist within the reality that you are in. You cannot, you cannot live, you cannot exist without the reality that you're in, period, full stop. You just can't. And, and you're, an, you're an intrinsic part of that reality. So to understand that is actually to understand that you're a part of everything, everything's a part of you, and you can come back to the reality and the understanding that if that's true, then you are an intrinsic part of the suffering that's happening in your life, and that, and that life and reality also has a role in that. And, and this, is how, this is how you start to create change. You remember that you are simultaneously the duality of being both the problem and the answer, right? Being both the problem and the answer. Because the real question isn't, how can I solve this? The real question is, if I have created this problem, what's the problem? And from there, we can begin to fully understand what the problem is and why we created it in the first place. Because no one else can fix it, can they? right? We can find guides, we can find mentors, we can find coaches, therapists, psychologists, philosophers, priests, um, you know, monks, we, we can find swamis, we can find all of these people to help guide us on the on our path. And and they can give us questions and insights and thoughts, um, and and a different framework for how we can relate to things. But at the end of the day, who solves the problem? Who creates the answer who who sparks the answer and puts it into action right it's it's always you it's always you you are always the one even if somebody gave you the answer to solve even if i had the equation to solve your life um forever to solve every problem in your life forever and ever and ever and ever for the rest of your life and i said listener here is the answer to solve every problem in your life and i gave it over to you uh you would still have to implement it you would still have to choose at some level to accept that, right? As it stands right now, I can't program you in, into, into submission, right? I can't, uh, I can't ninja and ninjutsu brain ninja you into accepting that truth. You, you at some level need to be able to take that in because you are both the problem and the answer. So no one can change the way that you, that you talk to, self, to yourself. No one can change the, the fact that you get to choose your own suffering. You get to choose your own sense of love. You get to choose what problems you take on. You get to choose what problems you create. You actually choose all those things, right? And just like, just like no one can actually affect, and this is, this is sort of the irrefutable, this is sort of the, the, the part of it that really solidifies it for me and, and, and for many people that I've, that I've talked to. No one can change the way that you talk to yourself when no one else is around, can they? No one can actually impact the way that you speak to yourself, the way that you perceive yourself inside yourself. No one can do that. Maybe they can 
impact your perception in minor ways, like through this podcast episode, you know, I might have uh, uh, an influence on how you do that. I might be able to persuade you in some ways. I might be able to shift your narrative and your belief marginally, but, but you still have to choose to adopt that mentality. I cannot force it upon you. You have to choose it for yourself. And in, and in knowing that, you know that your mom can't change it, your dad can't change it, your wife, your husband, your kids, no one else can change it for you. You have to do it because you're the one that's doing it. You're the one that's creating it. So you see how that's a little bit of a, of a, a pickle, right? It's both a, a, a quagmire, a bit of a conundrum all at one time, but it's also this liberating freedom to understand that you are the one, you are the one that in many ways is, is creating your own suffering, right? And even when, even when you might be thinking to yourself, well, Connor, what about when things just happen to me? And I literally have no control over it. My, my wife gets diagnosed with cancer. My child is in an accident and, you know, breaks their leg. I fall ill, uh, you know, with, with cancer or something that has nothing to do um, with anything that I've, that I've necessarily done. You still choose your reaction, your response, your mentality, your mentality to that perceived problem, to that situation. You are the one that chooses that. No one else can do that for you. They can give you tools to choose uh, in a healthier way. They can help you reframe. But at the end of the day, you are the one that either creates more love, more truth, more acceptance, more joy in your life, or you are the one that creates more suffering. And, and that, my friends, is a part of the liberation. That is part of the understanding, the first of the four noble truths, that, that the first noble truth is that there is suffering and that it exists, and that, and that you are an intrinsic part of the creation of it. And when we can come into any situation, so so here here's how here's what we actually do with this because it's it's sort of an you know uh, an existential um, maybe some people out there are having like existential crises while they're listening to this and being like what the hell is going on, but so what so what do we actually do with this? What do we do with the knowledge and the understanding that we are a part of the creation of our own suffering, that we are a part of that creation, and even if we are not the creator of that moment of suffering that we are the creator of our response to that suffering, right? We've all seen the person, we've all seen the individual who, who has been diagnosed with testicular cancer or breast cancer or ovarian cancer or, you know, cancer in their femur and has, you know, have lost their leg. I, I know somebody has gone through that, through, through all of those things. We all know people that have had these dire, just horrendous, life-crippling situations happen losing their wife at a, at a young age, using, losing their child, you know, when they're three or four uh, to an accident or cancer. And, and yet they are able to somehow, to somehow muster up the courage and the bravery to forgive, to accept, to choose a loving response, regardless of the stimuli, right? Regardless of the suffering, regardless of the pain. And it doesn't mean that they avoid the suffering. It doesn't mean that they don't feel it. It doesn't mean that they don't accept it. It simply means that they choose their response to it. They choose their response to it. And this is one of the most empowering things that we can possibly adopt. This is a, and, and, and like I said before, 
This is something that you have to choose. I cannot push it on you. I cannot demand it of you, right? It's, it's, it's one of these interesting things that once, once we start to see and know how suffering shows up, that in any given moment when you're in an argument with your wife or with your husband or with your partner or with your kids or with your family, you can literally stop and say, how have I contributed to this problem? How have I, and this is the key, created this problem? How have I been part of the creator of this problem? And and then we can go even deeper. What's a truth that I'm avoiding and not saying in this situation? Not about the other person, not about, you know, what they may have done or what they may have said to piss us off or hurt us or anything like that. But 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 what are we avoiding about that situation? And then finally, what am I allowing? Right. Because sometimes we are we're actually allowing and it's our it's our allowing that's actually creating more suffering because we're not setting boundaries, because we're not speaking the truth, because we're avoiding the the reality of what's actually happening. Right. We're avoiding the pain that we feel from the divorce. We're avoiding the the shame that we feel from having our business fall apart. We're avoiding the the suffering that we're experiencing because our health is garbage and we haven't taken care of ourselves in, in years. And we've literally been treating our bodies like like waste disposal garbage bins, right? Just pouring garbage into it nonstop. And we start to really own who we are at a physical, emotional, mental, spiritual level. And, and we stop pretending like what we do, what we say doesn't matter. And we start taking ownership over the fact that it actually does. So those are the three things that I want to leave you with, right? So just to have a quick recap, because I know I covered a lot in here and I would love for you to reach out, ask questions, hit me up on Instagram at man talks, hit me up uh, at Connor Beaton, wh- whatever your, whatever your favorite platform is and ask questions that you have about this. Cause I know it's a big one, but just to recap really quickly. And by the way, share this with a friend, um, share this with a friend who maybe is going through a challenging time because it could help them. It could really help them a lot. So definitely share this with somebody that you know will get value from it. Um, but just to recap, so first and foremost, knowing the truth, having the, having the answer doesn't always mean that you can communicate it to other people and save them, all right? That's first and foremost. Secondly, um, the, the noble truth of suffering, that suffering exists, suffering is real, and that suffering both happens to you, and it's your responsibility to choose your response to it, and you create it. And I would venture to guess the caveat to that is that your, uh, your part in your life suffering is probably much greater than, than what you expect it to be. <laughs> so um, so that's, that's one piece. And just a caveat there is that notice if your part in your suffering is shaming, guilting, and, and really flogging yourself. You know, some people know that they are the ones creating their suffering and they weaponize that knowledge. They weaponize that knowledge to really hurt themselves, to really punish themselves on a daily basis and shame themselves. And, and when we do that, when we do that, we actually create more suffering, right? And when we come back to the realization every single day, every single conversation, every single choice to say, I'm the one that can choose love. I'm the one that can choose joy. I'm the one can choose happiness. I am the only one that can choose that and no one else can do it for me. And to literally meditate on that and to meditate on the thought of who is it that's aware I'm choosing this? 
Who is it that's aware I am choosing this? And when we start to ask that question, we might have a little bit of an inclination that, that we are a part of this organism that is us and that parts of it are, are run automatically and that other parts we have control over. Um, but, but that there is this part that is, is sort of none of those things. Right, and we can come to a space of of understanding and sort of being mystified and in awe in in that experience. So to remember that we are a part of the suffering that happens to us, and that we can create our response to it, and that we are at uh, we are the creator of our own suffering. And then the questions that I left with at the end are: What am I allowing? What truth am I avoiding or not saying? And how am I creating this problem? Right, because if your problem is, well, I'm I'm constantly depressed. I can't seem to get into action. Well, who's the one that's doing it? Right. Well, well, it's I am. I am doing this, and to literally say that I am doing this and have that realization. Well, if you're doing the suffering, if you're the one that's creating the suffering and creating the non-action and not getting into action, and you know, just beating yourself up and self-deprecating constantly, if you're the one doing that, then certainly you are also the one to do not that. Certainly, if you are the one that is doing that to yourself, you are also the one to do something else, to choose kindness and compassion and empathy towards yourself. The same kindness and compassion. What I have noticed, and this is, I'm going to leave you with this. What I have noticed is that the people who are the most self-deprecative, the people who, who usually crap all over themselves and are the harshest with themselves are just the kindest, sweetest, most loving, caring human beings to other people. They really, they usually are. They usually are. Um, or they are absolutely heinous to other people, and it's a reflection of their own life. But I'm assuming that if you're listening to my podcast, you're probably not one of those vitriolic, self-loathing, world-hating people, right? Like, this isn't InfoWars, <laughs> uh, for those of you who know what that is, right? So you are probably on the other end of the spectrum where you are kind, compassionate, and empathetic to people around you. And, and since you are also the one that, that, that does that, since you are also the one that chooses that, you can choose that for yourself. So the question then becomes, how do I choose to be loving, kind, and compassionate to myself in the way that I am to other people? And in that space, there is a freedom. So please share this podcast episode with someone um, it goes a long way. Leave a rating and review. Reach out to me on Instagram at Man Talks. Join the Man Talks community. If you're one of the guys that's out there listening to this, join the Man Talks community. Share this with a friend, a family member. Share it with your partner. Get their thoughts on it. You don't have to like everything, right? If You don't have to like every single part of this. Maybe some of it didn't make sense. Maybe some of it was revolutionary. Take the parts that mattered most to you and run with it 